Reporting live from the Cotton Candy Castle. It's your boy. Young Benny Beaujolais. Benny bathrobes in this bitch. Waiting for my comrades. Pin that comment. <clears throat> We all the way in here. Cool. Oh, what up, Algo? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Got the eye boogers out. My man. Yo, yo. My cinnamon Dominican brother. Only in the summertime I turn a little cinnamon, you know? Yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. Instead of winter, I'm more like vanilla. <laughs> yeah, you got, um, what was the, um, uh, Milano crackers? Milano crackers? They're like kind of beige-ish. You know, on the inside, it's, it's all Afro. <laughs> Precisely. What's good, daddy? Tell him, man. So you. Yeah, I like genuinely, passionately miss you. Like there's yeah. a force inside of my body that's like, yo, I long to be in the presence of this man. Likewise, my brother. It's been a while, bro. Yeah, man, too long. It's been too long. This guy out here getting intimate early. You think he's you think he's in the lead with uh, Daddy of the Year, or you think he's still rocking that ground? I feel like <clears throat> he he's doing it and making it seem easy better than I think I was with my first one. So mm. I think it's like relative. Like gotcha. his his first like his rookie his first year in the league was better than my first year in the league. <laughs> but I think my overall career stats are uh, just a nudge ahead. Yeah, nothing to scoff at. No, 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 no. Come on. You got you to gotta show some respect, son. And I need to show myself some respect. You know, I'll be forgetting. No, facts. Come on, son. Yeah, you come from a lineage of great parents. You're only bound to be a great parent. And your children one day are going to be fantastic parents. Yeah. It's the Jay-Z line. It's like sometimes you got to remind them who, you met, who they're messing with, you know? You got you to gotta put them in the lane. All right. Libby is unable to join. How do you know? Because I got a red notification that says Libby is unable to join. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> you talking about me? What up? Yeah. Trying to talk about you, but you should, what? We're trying to talk about you. Uh, let me get the camera angle so you guys can look at my handsome chin. What's up? Love to. Tom Brady chin. Raul, I have these two notifications that says we're telling your followers that you started a live video and hang on, we're telling more followers to join your video. Oh, my bad. So as I, when I, <laughs> I didn't know it was, I didn't know what to expect. So as I was posting the, 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 uh, the flyer, um, there was a new option that I've never seen before that says, uh, remind your followers when you're on and it's like an alarm essentially. <laughs> 
<laughs> so here we are. I don't I don't know, bro. I figured why not? Let's try it. <laughs> I don't know how to take that off. <laughs> what is it? Is it like uh it's blocking your face and Libby's face completely. Oh you're lying. I don't know how to take it off. Under the diablo. What is that? Oh no, there you go. Okay, all right. If I just tap my face then we're good. Can you, can you see us though? Yep. Y'all are good now. Yeah. Diablo? Pendejo? Pendejo means idiot or stupid. Right? No. Pendejo is coward. Ah. Benjamin. What do you think? Ah. Ben, you looked it up last night and said it was uh, stupid, right? And I I always thought of a pendejo as like an idiot, like a very stupid idiot. And then we looked it up last night, and it technically means stupid. But I feel like coward is – that's fair game, too. I feel like I've always heard it used in the context of coward. Ese pendejo. Yeah. But you know how the Spanish folks do. They'll take one word and turn it into 40 different, like, different applications, you know? Yeah. It's beautiful. Like, you've got a nice pendejo. Like, has, <laughs> has that been adopted yet? No? Probably not. <laughs> No, I hear it all the time on Narcos. They just like just yell at each other and say "pendejo," uh, "punta." Uh, that's about it. Yeah, I'm too busy reading the subtitles. I should go. I should probably go back and see what like when they do say "pendejo" and just like write down the translation. I'm sure it's different mm. each time. Yeah, it could be very much. Yeah. yeah you very studious approach to cuss words in Spanish. That's impressive. <laughs> I just want to be able to hang, you know? I want to understand if you guys are talking shit about me. That's all. I just want to know. It's ever-forming, you know? It's like it's like water. It conforms to whatever the, you know, you know what I mean. I would just assume talking shit about you. Just, Go on. Because you hear Spanish happen, it's like, why would they switch? All right. I remember yeah, in, like, middle, in middle school, like talking to people, like just overhearing conversations where it was like Spanglish, like going in and out of Spanish and English, like interchanging in the same sentence. And I was like, that's fascinating. I don't know how you do that. But I guess it makes if what if you just don't know how to say something in Spanish? No. Say something in English, so you say it in Spanish. I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah. That is like 99% of the reason sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I've also, I've, I've heard it both ways, where you're speaking English and a word you don't know you're saying in Spanish or in Spanish. Spanish folks or Dominican folks, Puerto Rican folks do that shit all the time. We're jacking shit from English all the fucking time. There's so many words that are, like, Dominicanized that are hilarious, dude. Like, for example, you know which one's one of my favorite? And I'm sure you've heard this a lot growing up, Benjamin. Oh, my God. It's so funny. So, poloche. <laughs> Polo J is polo t-shirt. It's a collared shirt. But, yeah. you know, we twisted it, you know, polo J. It's just hilarious, dude. I, and I love that it has this, like, little elegant friend, like, at the end with the che. It's like trying to make things sound, you know. You know? It's just saying yeah. it apparently wouldn't be enough. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's about being at a certain speed. And then if I go back, like, revert to Spanish sometimes, too. Just hit the Spanish word because I don't really know the English version of it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's happened a lot with food, especially with the girls. Like, 
blueberry like i never think i ate a blueberry like for many years of my life growing up and then finally now i'm like the blueberry god and i don't <laughs> gotta look this up that's awesome wait what so what is blueberry in spanish i don't know man blueberry exactly like, <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I don't like the way that sounds <laughs> yeah no 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 although i'm sure people get away with it all the freaking time just say the word uh, blueberry yeah. in the spanish yeah. accent in middle school, I took French, and uh, we had to do like you know projects. It's like, like do like a poster diagram or whatever of like your house and like label everything in French. And I just like didn't know certain words. I was like, you know, I like I knew like la toilette, but then I was like, you know, la sink, uh, la couch, <laughs> just throwing it in there. Got I mean, I passed, but. My dad thought that was pretty fucking hilarious. Like, that me. is pretty freaking hilarious. You <laughs> this is back before. That was in like seventh grade. This is, you know, I still had to ask permission to go on America Online to, you know. And when I get on there, I ain't looking up French words. I'm in the chat rooms getting, you know, pretending I'm like some. You're literally the girl. first person. You're literally the first person I've ever heard call it America Online. <laughs> yeah. AOL, baby. That was before I had AIM. And like the six screen names that I had. Oh, yeah. All right. Quiz ASL. What does it stand for? Come on, bro. I know what it stands for. I was in the chats, bro. Let me oh, tell you. I was in there. A location. There. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm 45. That's so funny. You want to take this out of the chat room? <laughs> <laughs> for real sketchy so what are we doing what's going on here what's this meeting about you want to talk finances shoot, shoot. talk crypto cryptocurrency it's starting to gain momentum a little bit it is it's a lot of market manipulation but that's just the story of wall street isn't it it is 100 percent. it's crypto street <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man. Want to fucking yeah, think? Want to bang it? Do it. Let's get initiated. Work. It's been a while. Wow. Got to dust off the cobwebs. For real. Got to shake it off. Like, all, all right. right. So, so, where do I go? Who do I tell? <laughs> Everything looked the same. I felt like five years older just logging in. It's been yeah, what? It's been over a month, I think. Well over a month, dude. It's probably been close to two months. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right, so thank you for joining us, those of you that are here, and Benjamin and Livy, very busy dads. I appreciate y'all time. Uh, so episode thirty-three of Infinite Rewind. Uh, so this week, for the last like two months, actually, we've been analyzing Portis has nineteen ninety-four album Dummy. So the sector of, of music that we're going to be breaking down is uh, albums released in 1994. 94 was a pretty beautiful year, at least for my, for my memory. It, it really was. But I, I figured I'd pull up some historical uh, cultural facts just to kind of places where we're going to be in the next hour or so. So the top song of that year, Benjamin, do you want to take a stab at it? 94. Uh, I feel like it's, it's got to be... It's got to be something rock. I'm, I'm the Nirvana. Track. 
I know they released Nevermind in 1993. Uh, yeah. it's, I'm going to go with Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, Libby, you want to take a stab at it? Uh, uh, so it's uh, Kiss from a Rose by Seal. <laughs> no, but close. Closer than Ben. So it's uh, I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Yo. <laughs> I yeah. love to you. Oh, yeah. Classic. Really, we talked about this, Raul. One Sweet Day, Yesterday, I'll Make Love to You on yeah. Ben. Water. Bye. Good. They're full of them. They're full of them. They're just like on another level. But uh, the, some of the top movies that year were Forrest Gump, The Lion King, and True Lies. Uh, that was the... The year where O.J. Simpson flees from the cops in the white Bronco. <laughs> of course, your, your boy, your boy Clinton, he was president at the time. Uh, yeah, Cowboys won the Super Bowl that year. A loaf of bread was ninety-nine cents. Um, the median wow. household income was thirty-two grand. Wow. Yeah, minimum wage was four twenty-five. So ninety-four, early nineties. I know. I know this year. This was the, my first year at Federal Street. So it was my kindergarten year. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of dope music that was released in 94. So this is going to be pretty cool for us to dive into them. Uh, so yeah, uh, Dummy by Portishead. Um, yeah, what, what, what are your, how do you guys feel about, uh, the music, like the music's vibe and its aura? How did it make you guys feel? Uh, I was, uh, I felt, um, immersed in like, a black and white film noir um movie like 50 minutes of just like feeling sort of down but kind of like uh, i feel like i'm up to something something's up I'm on, I'm on the fucking i'm investigating something i don't know what but i'm uh you know kind of like uh like a yeah i felt a little uh edgy a little offbeat it's cool or different. Um, not happy, not sad, but just kind of like uh, mischievous. It's cool. Yeah, there there are certain sounds that come up in music that like immediately transport me to time periods. Like if I hear the like ooh, bop, 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 that immediately takes me back to like the fifties, the doo-wop era. I feel like if I hear a lot of like very um like robotic drums it reminds me of the 80s when like drum machines were really becoming a mainstream thing um but when i hear a dj scratch on a song it's like immediately i'm in like 91 to 95 so as soon as i started hearing some of the drum on this and the dj scratching it like immersed me into this world of okay so i'm getting like serious vintage hip-hop golden age notes right here um and I feel like the experience of listening to this album was like navigating, like departing from that, but still coming back to it. It was like, this is hip hop, but it's not hip hop. This is like serious rhythms, but it's also like very dark and kind of pretty at some time. So it was like this whole exercise of like, I am rooted in this hip hop feeling, but this album keeps like breaking down barriers of what I normally consider to be vintage golden age hip hop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, and it does definitely have, like, this haunting, very haunting, like, undertone throughout. Um, and, and it is dark as hell. And this album and the group in general, they're very experimental. Uh, and I, I was reading 
about like uh, how they got together. But the the two dudes, uh, Utley and what's the other gentleman's name, Barrow. So they one of them was a younger dude. He was like a 19, 20 year old kid who was into hip hop and scratching and turntablism and sampling and, 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 and uh, drum loops, while the other dude was more of like a jazz guitar player. But they got together and started experimenting with their backgrounds, and this is what they came up with. Um, yeah, definitely very daunting. Um, but uh, yeah, tell me about uh, who do you who do you guys feel these guys influence? Like who whose sound do you hear in in Portishead? I hear. Um, so I think this is like it, you know, it's hard. Yeah, as perspective, right? Like I never listened to Portishead before. Um, so I'm exposed to everything else before listening to Port Portishead, and you know I'm a big fan of Thievery Corporation. I like a lot of like, you know, like uh, lo-fi hip-hop type beats that just you know I can just I can kind of either get immersed in or like study to or read or work to, and it's just kind of you know the, that that low edge um, rhythm that just kind of captivates you. Um, so you know, going back and, you know, listening to Portishead, it's, it's like similar to the things that I've been exposed to, but then you put yourself in the context that they really kind of took like hip hop. And I think there was, you know, called it like, you know, trip hop. I think it was, um, they, they all, they call it, it was dubbed that, um, where it was, you know, this really, you know, it's mix of like electronic, it's like it's taking hip hop and pushing it into more like electronica, uh, with other, you know, you can't help but the influences, you know, that, that there is certainly jazz guitar, there's, um, you know, classic vocal um, in songwriting as well. Um, but yeah, it's like they, they like combined all these elements and produced something new for the time. So um, in that context, right, like going back to 1994 and this being, uh, you know, I don't think it was its first of its kind but it was just so well produced that i think it was like really it was like the diamond in the in the portfolio of that genre that they were building um it you know i think they've influenced or, or like showed like what you can do with uh you know turntable uh you know taking samples and writing songs over them um i think it pushed for me i, I think like you know groups like thievery corporation i could hear they're a little bit softer in tone, but they do have a lot of that, uh, you know, drum loop um, with, you know, just starting with a bass and then kind of putting, you know, a little bit of paprika here and some salt over there and making it its own little gumbo. Um, yeah, I definitely think that they helped push uh, electronica along. I think they were kind of ahead of their time in that regard, for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure on actual artists or bands that influence. I know that Injury Reserve is I heard associated with them a lot. I've never actually listened to Injury Reserve, but I think where more of their influences is in two main productive values. One, I think that electronic glitchiness mixed with hip hop. I'm not sure how mainstream that was in 94, but they made it work. They made that hip hop glitchy marriage something that you could really vibe into. For me, the whole sound that they're creating, like when I think of the term underground, whatever it is, this feels very like literally under the ground. Like you're listening to this like in a subway or in a tunnel yeah. or in a. So it, it almost just yeah. act of listening to it 
you feel like you are not in a cult, but like, I don't know, in a meeting in a basement of a church or something. Like to me, it, it kind of like set the stage of, okay, if you're making something underground, it's probably not going to be very cheery and poppy and happy. Like underground needs to have this like dark, almost like melancholy feel. So I wonder if they introduced the concept of like, this is underground type of stuff because hip hop obviously was doing prominent things, right? Like we know Illmatic came out that year, ready to die. Like there was definitely a popular aspect to hip hop. So when I think of trip hop, it's like, all right, well, this is kind of like the, the other side of hip hop's coin in some sense. Yeah, for sure. And it, it is definitely very EDM. Uh, oriented and the fact that it it, it uh, originated in a sense in the uk makes sense because their hip-hop has always been a little more upsteppy or bouncier or you know just a little more because a lot of these a lot of these songs and i thought it was one of the dopest things that i loved about this album is the drum breaks man the drum breaks the drum breaks yeah. are very groovy as hell and i love the way that they mix them they definitely make them crunchier uh when they were sampling a lot of music, they were purposely running it through amps that were broken. Just they would take a record they were about to sample and they would literally use them as skates and then like go around the studios dragging them. So they wanted to purposely mess up the the audio. So that's what that's what it comes out as. But well, I think they did a, a pretty dope cool. job at like, yeah, I, they did a great job at like crunching and distorting sounds to make them sound a little more rugged. Um, but yeah, man, the fu the fusion. It's you know these guys exemplify what we constantly highlight in music. It's it's the fusion of various things that is is attractive to us. <clears throat> Which is um one of the points that I wanted to bring up, and then I want us to talk about is that I feel like this album is so like uh like uh it's it's such score worthy. You know, it's like it's like very like soundtrackable. You know what I mean? It's like it it, it very much belongs in movies. So what what is it about their their music, particularly this album, that you feel like it can represent, you know, a visual as well? I think it's all. I think you touched on a point. Um, they took, um, they created a sound. It's really a great piece of art, right? Like going what you just said about them dragging the discs on the ground to create a grittiness. You know, it it, it really does do the do the job, right? This feels like a. Uh, you know, uh, a overcast, like I immediately transported to an overcast day along a riverside, kind of foggy, black water, um, hooded sweatshirt, secretive, um, you know, has this like, I, I read it somewhere too. And I was like, this is a, a totally right. It's like very like spy cinematic kind of something. So um, you know, and um, you don't know what's up. And that's like, you know, mysterious and captivating. It's like, what is up? You know, um, it's depressing, but it's not really super depressing. It's balanced well by her awesome, like, <laughs> sultry vocals. Um, it, it, but it's like, got this like industrial underground feel too, you know, um, and that is added by them, you know, the grittiness behind some of the stuff, what they've done to to the sound, um, it just sets like a canvas. Like I'm, I don't know if like you talk to ten people if they're all going to say something similar. Like, yeah, I'm brought to a to a similar setting, you know, uh, or or that that you know 
that feel at least that plot that sets you up. It's like this, like this mystery. There's something here, and I don't know what it is. And I, I got to listen through this to find out what it is. Um, it's uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's just like they, they were able to capture that so or present that so well. Um, uh, Benjamin, what do you think? I think when I try to imagine songs that wouldn't be good for movie scores, the quality that I keep coming up with when I try to think of examples like busyness, you know, like if I imagine, uh, I don't know, like a very chaotic John Coltrane song where there's a lot of drums and like the saxophones going crazy. Um, I'm like, that couldn't really work because that kind of takes the center stage and then you wouldn't really be focusing on the movie. You would just be so distraught by the chaotic of the music. And I think when I imagine dummy being scored to a movie, um, I think the lack of uh, chaos really gives points to focus on. And like, it makes you focus on the mood of the track more yeah. so than like its whole totality. And if you really think about um, the lead singer's vocal performances, it, it's, it's, uh, it felt to me very singular. Like it didn't feel like layered. There weren't a lot of like background echoes. Like it was kind of just like a spotlight shining on her. So the whole song production, you have this very like intense drum uh, presence that's throughout the whole album. The bass to me is like 70% of the soundscape here. And then she's just kind of like this angelic light beam that's pointing out certain, you know, ideas or feelings. So I feel like there's a lot of space and that's why it feels so cinematic. Yeah, very valid points. And you actually bring up uh, one of my one of my points that I'm going to bring up in a moment, is, and it's about simplicity in music. Um, but yeah, you definitely touched on a lot of valid points. I think I think they instantly set a mode and a tone. It's like their music, because of the influences, because the of the layers and almost like a collage like experience, it instantly puts you in a feet in in a feeling in a mode. And it's interesting that we were talking about relating this to sex. I don't. I, this isn't sexy to me whatsoever you know it's like it's very daunting and scary and spooky and 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 you know like spine tingling under the cover like you know it's like it's that's not what i'm thinking or feeling so it's interesting how people can have different perspectives of of, of such you know cinematic music i would say if they just think want that one song in particular has she's really she's sexy sounding and how she, yeah, she's much more uh, temptress in that song than the mm. confessional. I mean, it is also, it's a confession as well, but it's, it's, you know, the rest of the, most of the rest of the album is like uh, very um, introspective. And this one is, you know, this might be the only one where I felt like she was like sitting at like a, you know, in a cocktail lounge, looking mm. down the bar or something like that and feeling uh, kind of like, you know, no, I feel you vulnerable, you know? I know a lot of people who would find this sexy. It's just, this is not where my mind goes. Nowhere near. I also think, well, to, to further that, I think, you know, she sets that up, but then it's punctuated by a really, um, like, brilliant guitar solo that, going back to your point about being simplistic, this is a very, like, it's minimalist, you know? I don't think this is, like, mm -hmm. throw everything at you and try to, like, you know, anything's, the, the guitar cuts through, but it's there isn't, like, um, you know bang it's in your face just constantly like you know trying to grab your attention it's everything just seems to really mix well together 
And that solo is timed perfectly. <laughs> it's got great phrasing. You know, it's, it's, it, it breathes and um, it fits really well, well placed. And then the song comes back and it just it repeats the same verse. You know, getting tired of playing with this bow and arrow. I mean, that's just really, that's uh, pretty cool. You know? Yeah, no, I feel you. But that, that you know, sometimes with simplicity is that sometimes you can get simplicity to this perfect mix where like you only need three or four ingredients and if you mix them cor correctly like they can provide like the sum can be greater than the individual parts but i'm thinking about the song to me where like simplicity swung missed like flung the bat and hid in the stands was uh it could be sweet i'm like this song mm. is too repetitive it's too stripped down lyrically she's not bringing a lot of great imagery and her vocal delivery was I feel like it matched the like laissez-fairness of the instrumental versus Glory Box. Like that electric guitar is like Mufasa roar. And I think her, I wouldn't call it sexiness, but if you want to label it as sexiness, her vulnerability, like it seems to roar and echo that, which is fine because that guitar can take up so much, but it, the simplicity in music, it's like, to me, it, it can strike out when the instrumentation is too simple. It doesn't have a... Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't think that that song was too simple. But, you know, sometimes it's, a, it's about the proper combination, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, which, which is, is one of the points that I wanted to bring up is, like, I think that's, that would be something dope for us as a band to try to explore. The more simplistic... Uh, more uh, methodical and like a step back, you know, because we're musicians and we've been playing our instruments for quite some time. So I'm sure that naturally we're trying to be complex most of the time. Does that make sense? So what happens if what happens if we tone it down a little bit, where we really force feed each element and be uh, very intentional about every layer? I would love for us to experiment with that. Yeah, but I think what happens there sometimes, I'm with you. I, I, I agree. I know that just just recently trying to write different bass lines or different piano riffs, like, I, I feel this almost egotistical thing where it's like, if I'm just playing something very simple, like, anyone could do this. So right. really be uh, impressive and creative is if I'm either playing this bass line super fast or if I'm, like, adding all these complex notes to it. And to, to me, sometimes it becomes an ego thing where it's like, I need to challenge myself in the lip or else it's not resonating as something being like beautiful enough, you know? But right. I think where, where dummy really hits home runs is it's super simple, but powerful, you know? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I, th I think about um, cigarettes. And I, I remember particularly recording that with you and we went through like three or four iterations of, of different bass lines. And every single time, you know, you were like, mm. simpler, simpler. And I think I wanted to, I wanted the bass line to be like, yo, point at the bass line, like listen to how it sounds. But I think the final product is the bass line doesn't stand out. It accentuates everything else. Exactly, man. It's, about the, it's all about the proper, like, it's like, it's like chemistry, you know, if, any, if, any, if something is off to the slightest degree, then the entire thing is off. It's like the proper portions of, of, of each element, yo, is so important. Um, and yeah, that's a perfect example of that. The dummy is a perfect example of, of simplicity 
working. But I also think it, it, what works to Dummy's advantage is the different elements that were brought to the table. This was almost like <clears throat> a perfect storm in a sense. These two guys that never met each other with different backgrounds and they got together with this vocalist who's eerie as fuck that matches, you know, the low energy, um, which sidebar, most of this album makes me want to rap. I don't know if this happened to you, Ben, or even Libby, if you were feeling inspired. <laughs> but, yo, most of these songs, especially most songs, I have to feel like they have a break of just instrumental. But even while she's singing, I find myself rapping over what she's singing, like, throughout most of this album. So I'm, I'm late. I'm Wandering Star came on the very first time I heard it. It's like I felt myself transform to Raekwon. And I'm like, yo, I'm going immediately into a 16. It was almost unconscious. It, it almost like, it was like the instrumental was like, yo, you better rap. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. That's exactly what it was like for me. And th that was the case with most of these songs. But I've been trying to think the last like couple weeks, like, what is it about these songs that automatically spark, uh, you know, the MC in me, you know? So I'm, try I'm trying to like reverse engineer it so that I can create those kind of beats. You know, because it's, it's, and it's def I feel like it's definitely into, in the haunted nature. I feel like maybe darker, gritty, hauntier, spookier beats or something that I haven't explored as much. But obviously, this is like instantly triggering. So it's like, I might have some, uh, you know, some things coming out or, or sent to you guys in, in, in lieu of dummy. Oh, man. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't really spent too much time talking about uh, the lead vocalist. Uh, her voice, like, how, did it resonate properly with you guys? Love it, hate it? What you guys think? I thought it fit fine with the the mood. I mean, she kind of it doesn't. Uh, yeah, she's not the canvas. The canvas is the drum track and and the uh, the organ really, and uh, and of course, I mean, and, and the guitar, and then she just fits in perfectly. You know, it's all about finding your pocket, and she doesn't come in guns blazing really ever i don't really think there's a moment in the, in the track where she really breaks like the decimal barrier and she's very sweet rangy but not over the top rangy that was one thing that i thought about i was like you know she really doesn't like flex hard and it does but this album the sound doesn't call for that so and i think that adds to the the you know the sun there's a you know there's a hole that it's uh, it's a combination of these pieces, these minimalist pieces, these these you know five or six ingredients, and it, it's you know I don't think one I don't think one musician outshines the other. Uh, these three work very well together in creating this sound. Um, but yeah, I, I mean I I can't say I was like oh I can't get enough of her. I just she wasn't really a you know they they shine together. It wasn't really. Yeah, she to me wasn't a shining star. It was about the whole and not the the individual pieces. Yeah, I I was not in love with her. Um, I guess I understand what she's trying to do, um, and maybe that's the formula they were just going for. It's like we don't really want an overpowering, you know, we don't want like Aretha Franklin or you know, we don't want an Ella Fitzgerald on here or Amy Winehouse. Like that would be too much for what we want. We want the focus to be on the gloomy, melancholy drum loops and bass. Uh, but I think it would work. I think if you had a more powerful vocal performance, someone with more range, 
I think it would add to what they were trying to do. Like, if you think about Glory Box, which I'm gonna, that's my favorite song in the album. So to me, that's the pinnacle of what they can do. I think if you had someone else belting that with a strong or powerful vocal, it would elevate the song. And I think when I, when I think about my least favorite song, which is It Could Be Sweet, I felt like the vocal performance was just thin, lackluster. It wasn't inspiring in any direction. It didn't make me feel sadder. It didn't make me feel, you know, more uplifted. It just made me feel kind of dull. And I feel like that, I contribute that mostly to her vocal performance. I think if we had a singer who had more emotion and more range and depth, I think it would have added to it. Yeah, no, I agree. Because, yeah, so a couple of things, my thoughts on Beth's voice is that I was definitely getting a little bit of, uh, what's her name, uh, Billie Holiday in her. She, her voice, to me, was very Billie Holiday-esque. <clears throat> and, yeah, I, th I think at no point she was taking away from the experience. I think she was, I think Libby mentioned this, she was the centerpiece and everything, all the elements are working around her. Um, but there were a couple of times throughout the album where her tone was like almost cringeworthy to me. Um, so she was definitely teetering that line of like, meh, meh, maybe not. Mm. But I do think I do think that, you know, she was part of the perfect storm. Or, you know, she's part of the reason I'm sure why this music as a whole worked. You know, she was, in a sense, the catalyst that perhaps even influenced them to start playing. You know how it is. You hear a vocalist and as an instrumentalist, you're like, ooh, I want to try to compliment that so that could very well be what happened in this case yeah but, but yeah um so yeah ben you said glory box was your favorite song um what what else what are what are some other highlighted songs for you guys wandering star that has to be one of my favorite drum loops that i think i've ever heard it really reminded me of something that should have been on like a wu-tang um 36 chambers type of stuff um, I love Glory Box. Even the first song, uh, Mr. Ron's. Um, uh, I, I thought that did a really great job of being like, yo, welcome to the party. Um, this yeah. this get really spooky in here. Um, so, yeah, I would say those were my top three. Mr. Ron's, uh, Wandering Star, Glory Box. Yeah. yeah. Oh, another one. I'd say, for me, it's hands down, uh, Glory Box, Sour Times, and, um, and Wandering Star was pretty pimp. I like Rhodes. As, uh, I like the organ in Rhodes. It's a really nice, uh, really nice opening. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I really, I mean, Glory Box stands on its own. Um, like this, like Ben said, this is the pinnacle. This is what they can do. And Sour Times is a great, honestly, Mr. Ron's is a great opening to this album. Like you just mentioned, it's like, hey, welcome. This is this is what you're getting into, and you like kind of float into it, enjoy, you know, grab a cocktail while the song is playing, and you your eyes become you know adjusted to the, the dim light setting or you know darkness. <laughs> And then uh, Sour Times hits, man. And it's just like, that's a really good um, show of just like Glory Bars and what they can, what they can do. It's a, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a little bit more up-tempo than most of the other songs in the album. Uh, but it's, it's definitely like, that's a spy. Like, that's, that's what I mean when it's like this, this real mystery. Something's going on here. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. You know what it reminds me of, uh, particularly Sour Times? It reminds me of uh, Goldeneye on Nintendo 64. Yes. It's very, it is very, like, 007-like. 
which yeah. actually uh, another cool thing that I, I wanted to mention is that so uh, I don't know if you've caught this, Ben, uh, but in many interviews, Kanye shouts out shouts out uh, Portis had his major influences on him, um, and it's pretty dope because uh, Sour Times and Glory Box tie into it, but those songs are very like. 007 like on the prowl like sneaking around trying to figure shit out type of vibe which reminds me of goldeneye like i said but i think one song where it's clear the influence that that song uh is on uh diamonds uh diamonds are forever kanye west's late late registration late registration uh that song uh excuse me um diamonds are forever has that feel has that 007 vibe like investigative kind of feel but also, uh, you guys should check out that video that I sent right before we started. Uh, it's a live uh, show of theirs, but it's super dope because they have the live DJ scratching and he's playing the drum loops. It's like a 20-piece orchestra. They have Beth in the center. Uh, the guitar is playing super dope. You guys got to watch that. But that is uh, very much what Kanye did for a few years during the late registration years where he had all the elements on one stage, um, you know, DJ scratching so it was very hip hop slash definitely like noir slash like investigative orchestrated shit is really dope okay um but yeah so what was your least favorite songs uh for me I, the song numb was like i think it 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 teetered that scale of too simple for me where it just didn't work for me like that the the formula of that song just didn't sit well for me but Aside from that, I love the majority of these songs. So, uh, yeah, what were your least favorite songs? What was your, wait, sorry, what did you say your least favorite song was? My least favorite non- song was Numb. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I kind of get lost in that. Um, it, it's Fire, uh, Numb, uh, that area, Pedestal, like the towards the end of the album, I kind of get a little like, I feel like that was like the only draw drawback on this is that it is um while it's immersive it's a it's it it is a it is it's not dynamic it's the same sound that they've established they're just rolling that out throughout the whole album so you know there were a couple moments where if i wasn't intentionally listening to it i felt like i was listening to the same song um yeah. i couldn't tell the difference you know so um so yeah, I felt that way more towards the end of the album than at the beginning. I felt like they come at it and like there's clear changes for the definitely for the first three songs. Um, Strangers, we haven't talked about Strangers, but that's got a real industrial uh, drum drum track to it with uh, like a I think it's like a, got like a tremolo over over the keys. It's a really cool uh, cool take, and that, it just adds to that that feel that. Uh, uh, set that uh, this this track takes me to, but sure, I, I'd say yeah, it's a fire numb and like you know pedestal um, biscuit. Like it's hard for me to just even talking to you now, like remember parts of those songs that were like, you know, that were attention grabbing. Yeah, and I and, and the, those songs that you just named particularly made me wonder like, what would this album be like with features, right? When I mm-hmm. think particularly hip-hop. Hip-hop is, like, very famous for, like, features are just a normal thing in hip-hop. But when I think about other genres, you know, like, there's not really a feature on, there's no features on Continuum. There's no features on Stevie Wonder's album, at least, like, in the traditional, like, hip-hop sense. But so much of this album, like I talked to you at the beginning, like, 
brought me back to my reference point of hip hop. And it made me wonder like, yo, what if there was another vocalist, on, whether another or another rapper, like, would that have broken up that middle part of the album? Um, and I'm finding it hard to think that it would detract from it. I don't know if you need to be as aggressive as a Raekwon or as a Ghostface, but like, yo, you could have thrown a rapper on, on a few yeah, times. Could have done it. Five-year-old have brought some raps to, to these tracks. Yeah, agreed. That would have been dope as hell. They had like, and it wouldn't even have to be like the best rapper in the world. I feel like someone who's half decent would have sounded really dope throughout some of these songs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do we want to get into final thoughts? You guys have anything else you want to add on? I'm ready. I'm down to start. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm good. Oh, one thing to talk about here is, I guess we kind of touched on it subtly, more through feeling than through an actual narrative sense. Um, the theme of this album. Um, the theme is definitely rooted in the emotions which y'all have hit it on perfectly. Mysterious, gloomy, this very like under the cover, under the rope, like away from mainstream light. So I think that's, that's the space that they were really navigating on. Um, when you scan her lyrics, I, there's a lot to be left out uh, in terms of desires for me. I wish some things were a little more poetic. I wish her vocals were a bit more powerful um, and yeah, I, I think m more elements would have been better for me. I understand the direction was minimalism, but overall this was a little too minimalistic for me. Um, when they do minimalism correct, I think y'all some serious home runs on you, but as an overall project, it's not something that I'm dying to go back to, uh, but there are definitely songs that I've sampled based off of this. Um, I've been moved to rap several times throughout it. So it, it is evocative and it is successful in that. Um, but I, I guess I just wish there was more meat in the middle of the album. Uh, overall, for me, I'm going to give this album, I'm like in a six to seven range. Uh, but I, I think the, the quality of the production takes it to a seven for me. A little more vocal would have been better, uh, better poetry, and uh, maybe a more uh, cohesive theme might have pushed it to the eight, nine range for me, but I'm going to sit with seven for Portishead's dummy. I'm, um, yeah, I'm coming right out. I'm, I'm between a seven and an eight on, on this. And I, I don't value the, uh, the lyrical content so much um, as I do on the actual musical presentation. Sure, I deduct some points, but I, I just don't value it as high. I just think that the, the canvas is just so uh, the canvas is all in all its elements are, are just it's it's really uh, well done, uh, brilliant, whatever you want to call it. I, I think it's just they did such a great job at creating uh, imagery through sound and. Um, you know, and uh, honestly, man, like, yeah, like the spy theme stuff is relatable. Like, this wasn't alien. It kind of like you make the association is just is an easy thing to, you know, it makes things better when you can associate something new to something you know. And 
um, if it's good, then you, you know, it's positive points. So I, uh, I really enjoyed the album as an, in its entirety, uh, from start to finish. But when I sit back and nitpick, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm like, I didn't know this was a different song than the one before it. And, you know, like, I don't know if I can really listen to this intentionally start to finish, but I enjoy it more, like, aside from some of the, the songs that I mentioned that are, like, instantly attention-grabbing, like Tower Times and Glory Box. Um, the rest is just kind of, like, a really uh, hypnotic, trancey background sound that I'm really not paying that close attention to. So that doesn't make it a perfect album for sure but it you know also in what they were going for i just appreciate uh what they were able to accomplish in 50 minutes of recording time and um how i was it, it was easy for me to be taken to a place that uh i think you know where they wanted me to go you know where i wasn't like off the mark um <laughs> So it, I, yeah, it's definitely. It's, I'd probably just give it a. a, um, a kind of, I, I just get kind of get lost. I'm not going to go back and listen to the album in its entirety. Uh, I'm just going to pick a few things. Um, probably say it's a seven because it wasn't. It's not going to bring me back to it. I mean, if it, if there were if it if it did, I'd give it an eight for sure. But I, I'm like, uh, I'll just go back and pick like a couple things, you know. I listened to this, you know, we started this a couple months ago, took some time off, and um, I just remember, like, I can't give this anything higher than an eight because I, you know, I listened to it, and now I'm done with it. I don't really, you know, then I was like, I don't really want to go back to it. Um, I want to move on. So, yeah, I'll give it to seven. Word. Yeah, this, uh, this album is another example of, sometimes listening to music with unfamiliar ears, how that can, you know, influence your point of view or your opinion. Because initially I was definitely getting that heavy vibe of like, this is kind of very repetitive and like same elements all the way throughout for the most part, you know, strings, drum breaks, bass, that's pretty much in her voice. That's the element throughout every song. But as I sat with it more, I definitely found deeper appreciation. So that line of familiarity and unfamiliarity, it, it, it always gets me, you know? But, uh, yeah, the, the album, I'm a fan of a lot of things, you know? I, I'm, a fa I'm a fan of how this music make me, makes me feel, and in a sense, how it influences me. Like, for example, like I said, it makes me rap instantly, but I've written stuff based off of some of the topics that they touch on or that she touches on. But, like, similar to, like, the art of sampling, you know, and Ben, we've done this where, like, we have this... <clears throat> this song, like the, the Dilla song I showed you, and I was like, yo, I have this verse written, uh, uh, you know, pull some keys, influence on this, and let's make something new with Love Hate. Mm -hmm. You know, but similar to that effect, you know, a lot, at least five or six times listening to this in the last couple of months, I'll hear something and it'll influence something else instantly, you know, whether it's words, whether it's a beat, whether it's so. I appreciate that in this album. Not many albums are able to do that. My my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is another album that does that for me that influences me to create. Um, so I love that about this album. Um, I I mean, come on, drum breaks and and and, and orchestrated shit. I'm all all for that. Um, we didn't spend much time talking about the lyrics or the theme. I guess maybe that's 
directly uh, in indicative of, of what we thought about it. But yeah, she's definitely kind of lackluster in, in her uh, lyrical content. I do wish there was a little more thematic approach, even though that's not something that always takes away from me. Uh, because this album is so simplistic, had she stepped it up lyrically, it would have definitely tied it in better, without a doubt. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I definitely can't help but think, like, uh, imagine, like, I don't know, someone like Beyonce singing over some of these songs. She would, like, smash some of these songs. Just, or anyone with a crazy vocal range would, would sit so comfortably on, on this kind of music. But, uh, yeah, I take away points on the lyrical delivery take a little bit off just because it's it is repetitive all the way throughout although they were able to beautifully capture a perfect storm with their separate influences come together and create something unique there's a lot of artists thereafter that definitely pulled from this you know it reminds me a lot of like the zombie music that a lot of like new york was into five ten years ago with like asap rocky and flatbush um but definitely a lot of people pulled from this um but yeah my final rating i'll give this Couple points deducted. I'll give this an eight. I feel comfortable saying this is an eight. Right. I feel like that was a long-winded way of saying eight. No, it's good. That was it's it's, it's, it's insightful listening to uh, my two compadres open up about their feelings with regards to the album we just listened. I'll open, I'll open up to you any day, baby. Woo. Okay. Well, how about we open up next week? on our next episode of uh, Infinite Rewind. Uh, ben and I uh, rock, paper, scissors uh, competition last night, not dirty rock, paper, scissors, but uh, choose, to choose who was going to uh, select this week's um, listen. Uh, he actually won and then deferred, so he'll get the oh, ball shit. in the second. He'll get the ball in the second half, so to speak. So, um <laughs> I will. Uh, I was. I'm just kind of like tied be between two. Um, the, one of them is similar to similar in nature, but uh, definitely a different take on like industrial trip hop. Um, just definitely, definitely more darker. Um, and then the other one is more of um, it's an acoustic. Uh, album put out by a grunge band it's not like not rock it's rock but it's not it's acoustic driven um and it was written in one week so i think i'm just gonna go with that one i haven't listened to the whole thing uh i'm just familiar with one of the songs uh it's jar of flies by allison chance jar of flies by chains by allison chains it's an acoustic album um, 1994. It's their third album that they came out with. The two albums preceding this one are like, like stuck in the mud, rock, and like very down. But this album is an acoustic album and like drop D tuning. I think I thought I read that all the songs are in drop D tuning, so it's automatically taking you into like an alternate, right away taking you into an alternate setting. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's revered for its arrangements and vocal delivery, um, by Lane Staley, who is no longer with us. And you can probably figure out 
where this dude's headspace was the second you listened to this album <laughs> or this one of the songs for sure so let's go with that one the other one was going to be uh nine inch nails uh the downward spiral and that is some real thick um like trip hop type industrial rock um we're gonna we're gonna avoid that one it might be too much of the same all right i know you sound you look you look thrilled i'll go so we're just about your energy man there you're so sensitive and so cautious and like like i can feel a worry coming i'm like yo this he's he's like pulling this sword out of the sheath very slowly like yo is that <laughs> right sword here oh fuck it's a kitchen knife <laughs> yeah you didn't sell it too great libby <laughs> you know you, you'll uh well, yeah, I don't know. I'll give it a listen. You'll no, I'm out. not against it. I'm all about expanding the musical horizons. With it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Word. All right, I'll go close this out, bro. All right, gentlemen. That wraps up episode 33, Infinite Rewind. Hopefully this next hiatus won't be as long as the last. Uh, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to you, gentlemen. Algo, Benjamin the Cinnamon Dominican, Lucky Libby. We out. Peace. See ya.